you're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org. Great. Good morning. So, uh, as Kate said, and as the girls beautifully told us on video, we're going to be thinking about the parable of the mustard seed, which is not very long, as you notice. Uh, So, while I was mulling over this story... I was reminded of a project that I was involved in some time ago. And the idea of this project was that there was a group of us, there were four of us, and we were going to put together uh, a a piece of theatre that was going to go into a sheltered accommodation for the elderly. And the idea was that the first half would be about um, memories and, uh, and bringing back stories. And then in the interval, we would somehow kind of elicit some stories from the people there who are watching from the residents. And then the second half, we were going to re enact some of those back. Um, So we didn't really know how we were going to do it, but we knew what we wanted to do. And in this group, as it worked out, two of us were teachers, uh, so I'm on on that camp, and the other two were professional actors. So we got to the bit where we were literally like, right, let's work out how we're going to do this. And in the same second, the two teachers, we immediately sat down and got a piece of paper. And the two actors immediately got up and went and stood in the middle of the space. And then the actors were there going, but we should just do it. We should just try it out and see what happens. And us teachers on the other side are a bit more uptight. And we're there going, but we need to plan something first. If we haven't got a plan, how are we going to get up and just make it up? So we have this situation, this little bit of a standoff, where we knew exactly what we were doing but both groups coming at it from completely different directions. Obviously, they won because they're actors and they know what they're doing. So, and it worked out. We did it, and it was great. Um, but I was reminded of that because I was reading about the parables and how people interpret parables and how they've been interpreted in the past. And I noticed that there's very different ways that people approach parables. So uh, probably more so in the past, people would take a parable and read it almost like, a bit like an equation, sort of, and this means this, and in this story, this detail is going to mean this. Or the other way, which is the way more common now, the way that we look at it, is the idea of remembering that this parable is a story, that stories need details if they're going to work. But what we're interested in isn't in those details, but in the bigger picture of the whole thing. So what I was trying to think about was, okay, how are we going to figure out the bigger picture in the story of the parable of the mustard seed? So we could start by imagining here's Jesus telling these stories and there'll be a crowd of people around listening to him. So start by thinking, all right, what would they have made of what he was saying? What bits would they have picked out as being significant for them? So I think one of the first things you might notice if you're watching their faces, listening to him, they probably would have clocked on to the fact that by this point, they've listened to a few stories. They've listened to the fact, they've listened to the story about, um, you might be familiar with one with a farmer and he's throwing seeds liberally around and some land on the fertile soil and some land on the pathway. They'd have heard that one. And they'd have heard another one about a farmer liberally throwing seeds around and then the weeds come up and the weeds uh, destroy all the plants. So they'd have heard that one. And then they'd notice, ah, so here we've got a difference. Uh, this one is just talking about one seed. He's gone from many seeds to one seed. They might well have clocked onto that. But the other thing that they definitely would have noticed uh, was the whole mustard bit. Because now I've learned that in that time... People just didn't plant mustard seeds. Apparently, no one in their right mind 
would make a decision to plant a mustard seed. Because I now know they are incredibly predatory plants. And if you plant a mustard seed, it will just take over your whole field until you have nothing left but mustard. So apparently, it was actually illegal to plant mustard seeds at the time. So they would have clocked onto that. They'd have known that much. Um, But I'm not sure they'd have been shocked as such. When Steve was speaking last week about the prodigal son, we were talking about how lots of stories that Jesus told, they started in something familiar whether that was a story that's known culturally like the prodigal son, whether that's something about daily life like farming and seeds and they knew about. He'd have started with something familiar and then added a little twist. So they were probably expecting a little twist. Um, And here it is. Nobody in their right minds would plant a mustard seed. But I'm not sure if that's really the point. So when I uh, was reading that story... I wasn't listening to it the first time I read it through, not the first time, but preparing for today. I wasn't reading it through, pondering why on earth somebody would read a mustard scene. Because that's not my experience. I'm reading this from my own sort of filter of my life and what I do. And it's the idea of here's one story. Thou look at it through one way. I come at it from another. So for me, when I'm reading it... uh, Those of us who work in education world will know that for the last couple of months, your whole kind of filter is taken up with assessments and tests and reading and results and things. So when I'm looking at this story, my mind's thinking, hmm, if this was a reading comprehension paper, I wonder what questions there'd be about this. That's the filter I'm looking at it through. So I'm thinking, well, I'd probably write a simple kind of one-mark question to get them going, something pretty standard like, what type of seed was the plant was the farmer sowing? Um, and you'd start with one of those, but then you'd have to crank it up, and you'd have to get to the killer question. Because there's always a killer question on Year 6 SATS papers. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Rachel or Ian are here, or if there's any other Year 6 teachers in here, but there's always this killer question on there, um, and the kids aren't quite sure how to answer it, And the teachers aren't quite sure how to answer it, but it always starts with the phrase, what impression do you get? And it's asking the children, it will say, what impression do you get of a character or a place? And then they have to look at this and they have to think, what thoughts, what feelings, what ideas do I get about this character? The catch is, obviously, um, that you have to have had the same thoughts, feelings, and impressions as the person who wrote the mark scheme in order to get the points. Because it's a three-mark question. And this year, there were two of them on the paper. That is six marks for having the right impression of something as the person who wrote the mark scheme. So if I was going to um, write a question about this, I'd probably start with, what impression do you get about the kingdom of God from the parable of the mustard seed? So... All right, I might start with thinking, what about the people who were listening to Jesus at the time? They might have had an impression. Um, They've got this seed that's been planted and it's taking over the garden. Perhaps in their minds, it's something to do with um, the Romans and taking over and how the Romans spread out and affected every area of their lives. And the kingdom of God bit is probably about... um, the the freedom from that and having their space back. I'm guessing, I don't know, because that's not my perspective. I come at the same story from a different perspective. So it's a three-mark question. 
So the children would be well drilled by now that you need to say three different things. And it's not okay to say one thing in three slightly different ways. They would need to make three different points. So my first point would probably, something along the lines of different people will have different impressions or insights from the story. And that's okay. Depending on where you're looking at the story from, you'll get a different impression. And some people might say, well, doesn't that get a bit risky if everyone's reading a story and making up their own meaning about it? Well, yes. However, there's um, a, a, a quote, a phrase, Hebrew phrase, that translates as the Torah has 70 faces. And I think that's a lovely idea. It's this idea of the Torah, the scriptures being like a gem with lots of faces. And every time it turns, the light refracts slightly differently off it. And what it's saying is that you look at a story and you see it in one way. And then if the gem turns, and then you'll see it in a slightly different way. And obviously we can't just go making up random interpretations. But if your impressions of a story fit in with the things that Jesus says, if they fit in with this theology of love and inclusion and care, then it's probably okay. There's a bit um, in Acts when uh, followers of Jesus are meeting together and they're making some really big decisions about the history uh, or how the, how the Christianity would move on. And they're trying to decide. It's a big thing that would change the course of it all. They're trying to decide, is the story of God just for us, just for the Jewish people, or is it for everybody? And they came out of that meeting, uh, talks about it in Acts 15, and they pretty much say, well, seems all right with us. Seems all right with the Holy Spirit, so let's go for it. And a big decision, no 100% certainty, just this notion of it feels right to us, it feels like the Holy Spirit's agreeing with us, so I think it's all right. Because at the end of the day, we're all just, it's all interpretation. So that's my first thing. We'll all have different interpretations from this. Now, obviously, I'm not a farmer. I don't even have a garden, let alone a field, and I don't even like mustard. So this is not something I know an awful lot about. But when I was preparing this and thinking about this through my perspective and what I've been up to, I was preparing to do um, an improvised show. So basically what that is, um, I've been doing classes for a couple of years. You, uh, you, you learn kind of the art. You're stepping on stage and basically making it up as you go along. There's a bit more to it than that, but you step it on and you make it up with whoever you're performing with. Um, and uh, there's a, somebody called Del Close, who's a really famous improviser. And he says, uh, don't, this is to do with improvisation, he says, don't bring a cathedral onto a scene, bring a brick and let's build it together. And I think that would be my second point, and I'll explain why. Um, in improvisation, what that means is don't step onto a scene with the whole story of where you want this scene to go in your head. That's not what it's about. You step on and you make one, you say one thing, or you offer a certain feeling or an action, and then you let the other person step on and take what you've done and add to it. And then together, you build a story. So as I was uh, reading the story, I don't know if it's clear yet, but this, this is what made me think of. 
as a church, we do a lot of big things. You know, we seem to get involved in big projects and big things. And I remember some years ago, there was, I was sitting there, and um, they said, right, we're going to do a Christmas party, a children's Christmas party. And I hadn't really clocked on to all this yet, so I'm sitting there thinking, great, yep, I can help with that. I've done Christmas parties before, Santa, games, a few decorations, check. And then as I carried on listening... And it's going to be for 500 people, and they're going to come here. And at that point, I step back. Whoa, okay, that's big. I don't even know how I would start with that. It's a big thing. And then uh, not long ago, I clearly haven't clocked on still, I, heard, uh, I started to hear people talking about, we'll have an iftar, a community iftar. Again, I'm thinking, ooh, tables in the hall or maybe the school hall, that'll be lovely. And then it goes on and it's road closures and the magic number, another 500 people to come to this iftar. And suddenly it becomes really big. Um, and we do a lot of big things. Um, but what we need to remember is the same idea. Don't bring a cathedral, bring a brick. It takes one person to have the vision, to have the idea. A smaller group of people to perhaps take that idea, come up with some kind of strategy plan. And then it takes a whole lot of people to bring all the bricks to make it happen. Um, so the next picture is a few really key people who are involved with the IFTAR, who each of them contributed bricks in different ways to make it really big. Some involved with planning. These ladies here were there all day making samosas and preparing food. People from school. So all these people come together, giving a brick, offer a brick, and then making it happening. And I think especially with big churches, it can be, or big organizations, it can be quite tempting, or you just kind of forget and think, well, somewhere around this building, there's a room with a whole load of ready-made cathedrals all in it, ready to go and be erected by people who do this all the time. Um, when in reality, we know that's not how it works that these events, anything like this, takes a lot of people offering a lot of bricks. And the power of that mustard seed is one small thing that spreads so far. One small action, one contribution, one brick, that when it's added to all the others, that's what makes transformation happen. And when the Bible talks about you do this or you will receive this, it's never meant to be just one person. It's the group, it's the people of God, it's the collective. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of plants and becomes like a tree, so the birds can come and perch in its branches. So like that mustard seed, that if you left it, it would just keep on growing and take over the whole garden until you've got nothing but mustard left. As people who are doing what we can to follow Jesus and do the things that he did, then what we want, brick by brick by brick, is to bring the kingdom of God into places. The kingdom of God, meaning those spaces where uh, God's way is being lived out, where love and inclusion and justice are valued far higher than anything else. And that that spreads through our relationships, through our neighbours, until everything is in a good place. And a single brick might look insignificant on its own. 
But when it joins with the others, then that's when it makes transformation. And I think this, the big picture of this mustard seed is true, not just for events and things, but for, for our life in general. This idea that one thing at a time, one brick at a time, one step at a time is how we make changes. So perhaps for you, that brick could be starting that journal that you've meant to be starting since Jill talked about it several weeks ago. Be meaning to do it, just haven't quite gone out and brought the book yet or bought the pens. Maybe it's something, some kind of idea that's been buzzing around your mind, but you can't figure out how to put the rest of the bricks in place so you've never put the first one down. So maybe it's just committing to that one small thing that then you can add to and then you can build. Maybe it's just inviting someone out for lunch and that's the first brick in building a friendship, building a relationship. Maybe you've been meaning for ages to offer to write a reflection for New Testament in a year and maybe brick number one is going to speak to Tim. All these things that feel like they need a lot of big building, one brick at a time, that's how we put them together. So for my third mark, I might finish. You don't always get to know what impact laying one small brick or committing one small action has. But you don't have to lay the whole cathedral. You don't build the whole cathedral. You bring a brick and then you add it together with other people's bricks or more of your own. And steady by steady, brick by brick, we make things good. And that, I think, is one interpretation of a parable, but you will have others because we'll all see it through our own filter. So I'm going to pray, and then Nath's going to sing. Lord, sometimes things seem overwhelming, and when things feel overwhelming, we can stop and we can freeze or we can back away. But I think this story is a reminder to us that we don't need to be overwhelmed, that we can go brick by brick by brick with small actions like that small mustard seed. And as we sit and as we sing, Help us to imagine for us what that looks like, what bricks we might need to put down, where we can get started, where we feel stuck, until it is spread so far that there's only good things around. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit www.oasiswaterloo.org.